And that's what we're going to talk about today is the, is the second law, the, the constant corrections. Now, I know we touched on it last week a little bit, but, but you know, it was kind of, we were kind of thick in the spirit last week. So I know that, you know, we might not fully receive what we was trying to receive from the word. And he said that we have to worship them what? In spirit and truth. So I, I want to bring forth the truth because, you know, we can get drunk in the spirit, but then we have to sober up and allow that truth to set in so that we can walk this thing out. Amen? So turn it to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Because we know that we got to maintain a, a, a reference point, right? Now I'm just going to just, I'm going to bring my little broom back in here again so I'm going to perform my treat. Uh, little bit ain't sitting on the front row here. She's like, I ain't gonna get hit by that room today. I ain't hit it the last time. But see, when we balance some things, we gotta maintain a reference point. I'm looking up at the top of that yellow thing, and I'm maintaining my eye on that. We also gotta have constant corrections. We gotta sometimes move around, move out of that thing that we in so that we can keep ourselves balanced with God. And we got to have that clear objective. That was the third law. Have a clear objective. My clear objective is to keep this room balanced. Amen? But what we're talking about today is the constant corrections in life. We got to constantly be able to correct. We got to constantly be able to correct. But the first correction that you got to do is what we're going to talk about right now in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 is that you got to believe that you can even do it. Amen. Some of us got to make that correction right there. Some of us, if we make that one correction alone, then guess what? Everything else will take care of itself. You got to believe that you can even do it. You got to believe that you can even do it. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. Amen? So what Paul is talking about right here, he says, examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Are you in the faith? And we talked about a little bit last week about the word right there. Faith was pitho, which, or pitho, which means persuaded. So Paul is saying, are you persuaded in the faith? Do you believe that this thing can happen? Do you really believe what God said about your life? Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded by the word of God? Or are you persuaded by the world system? Are you persuaded what God said about your health? Are you persuaded by what the doctor said? Are you persuaded by what your bank account say? Or are you persuaded by what the word of God say? Are you persuaded? He says, test yourself. Test yourself. Check yourself and say, do I truly believe what, what I believe? Do I truly believe what I believe? Amen. We got to test ourselves because sometimes you can believe something, but when somebody comes along with something else that sounds a little better, you can be easily persuaded. Amen. How many know that that's what happened to the woman in the garden? She got persuaded. She was told something. She believed something. But then the serpent, the enemy came along with something else that was a little more, a little more, that sounded a little better. It sounded a little better. And I always tell women that I say, don't fall in love with your ears. See, men, we fall in love with our eyes. Because right. when Adam saw a woman, what did he say? Whoa, man. <laughs> Whoa, man. So we fall in love with our eyes. 
But women tend to fall in love with their ears. Amen? And that's the word with somebody. You don't always take in what, what he's saying to you. Because, you know, as men, we can promise the moon, but can he deliver? Judge a man by his actions, not his words. Amen. Because see, the reason why we can believe and trust in God is because yeah, He'll give you the pretty words, but He also backs it up with action. Because He says that I will watch over my word, and my word shall not return to me void, meaning that He gonna do what He said He was gonna do. Don't judge God by the relationships that you have on this earth. Just because your daddy said he was gonna do something, and he didn't do it. Don't think that God is the same way. Just because your man said that he was gonna do something, and God and he didn't do it. Don't think that God is the same way. If God said it, then it's got to be done. Amen. Matter of fact, if God said it, it's already done. It's already done. We just got to realize, as again, uh, my brother Mendel said, that it's already up on you. Because that's what Paul is saying right here. He didn't even know he was already into my message a little bit. <laughs> Paul, Paul is saying that right here. He says that Jesus Christ is in you. He says, do you not recognize this about yourself? Do you not recognize that Christ is already in you? So if Christ is already in you, if he's already up on you, then guess what? Everything that we have, everything that Christ has, you have. You share everything. The word says what? That we're joint heirs with Christ. So we have to be persuaded. We're joint heirs with Christ. What does that mean? What does joint heirs mean? Think about a joint checking account. Think about a joint checking account. How many have a joint checking account with, with somebody, a spouse or whatever, used to have one? But we all understand how joint checking accounts work. Like me like me and my wife, we have a joint checking account that we pay stuff out of. So if I put in $2,000 into the joint checking account and she put in a dollar into the joint checking account, right? How much is in that total account? $2,001. $2,001, amen? But now if I go out of town and, you know, and I'm, I'm on a business trip or something and, and she want to go hit to the bank so she can hit that mall or whatever, even though she's not a mall shopper, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but let's just pretend she want to hit the mall and want to go on a shopping spree. And she go to the bank. She go to Wells Fargo. And she walk in there and she say, I want to get out of my joint account some money. How much money can she get out of that joint account? $2,001. Amen, because she's a joint heir to that account. We are joint heirs with Christ. No matter what you put in, Christ done put it all in. So when you go to the bank of God, you go to the kingdom of God and say, God, I'm ready to withdraw everything that you have for me. He says, well, who are you? I'm the joint heir with your son, Jesus Christ. He says, well, what have you done? Have you not sinned? Yes, I'm a sinner, but I've been cleansed by your son's blood. So I I need to withdraw everything that belongs to me. It's already up on you. Amen. But you got to be persuaded. Like I said, the balance in this room, you got to even begin to do it. You got to think that you can. You got to go into it knowing that I can do it. I can do it. That's the first correction you got to make. I can do this. Through all things. Through Christ, I can do this. All things are possible. Why? Why? Because Christ. Because Christ is in us. So no matter what you're going through, then guess what? It can be done. But you just got to know that you're a joint heir. Don't let nobody say that you send your way out of getting taken off the account. Amen? Because some people say, well, if you send too much, you get taken off the account. No, what God would say is come and ask for forgiveness and I can get your account straight. Amen? Amen? Get your account straight. That's what grace is. 
He gives you that grace period so that you can still reclaim what is rightfully yours, what God has intended for you to have. Amen? But you got to be persuaded in that thing. Now, you can't just keep on doing something because, how I many know, just like on a credit card, you get a grace period. God has a grace period. There will be a time that grace does run out. So you can't sin and then come back and think that everything will be okay. I think it was a movie. What was that movie with Morris Chestnut in it? And he kept on, you know, he, he would have premarital affairs or so on and so forth. But each time he would pray and he would... Best man. Then he would go back and pray and he would mess up and he would go back and pray. But what happens if you get caught in between? What happens if you get caught in between and your lights go out? See, a grace period does come to an end. Otherwise, guess what? There would be no hell. Amen? See, a lot of us don't want to talk about that, but the bottom line is that will, the grace period does end. But we got to be persuaded that, well, first of all, if we need it, we can use the grace that's there for us. Then we got to be persuaded once we're in right standing that whatever we ask for according to his will shall be ours. Amen? Amen. Amen. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. But as we're walking alone, a lot of times, and it talks about right here real quick. I want to go, I want to touch on this one though. It says, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourself? Recognize. Recognize. That's a key word right there. That is the part of that word is cognitive, meaning in your mindset. Do you not recognize? Do you not understand? Do you not comprehend? Are you not taking it in? Who you are? Who you belong to? What you are connected to? What kind of power you got? What kind of authority you got? What kind of dominion you got? Do you not recognize that? Do you not understand that? Are you not persuaded by that? Is it not in your head? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Amen? You got to recognize. Recognize. It comes out of the Greek word, the nosco, which means to know or to understand. To know or to understand. You got to know that you know that you know that you know. See, believing ain't enough. I didn't think I was going to use the word today, but I'm going to just use it real quick. Real quick. I ain't, got, I ain't got time to erase everything's up here. But see, believing is not enough because it says in, the, in Jude that even the, the, the devil believes. Even the devil believes. Even he trembles at, the, at, at God. But, but, but they're, not, they're not in the know. They're not convinced. They're not persuaded. Because if they were persuaded, then they would go ahead and lay down and know that the fight is already over with. See, the enemy ain't fully persuaded. He's thinking that he still got a chance. He's thinking that the game ain't over, but the game is already over. But see, believing is not enough. Because see, in the middle of belief, in the middle of belief is what? Is a lie. In the middle of belief is a lie. So your believing ain't enough. You got to recognize. You got to know that you know that you know that you know. Because once you know something, then guess what? You can't be shifted out of that. You can't be moved out of what you know because you know it. You know it. You know it. it, it you, there's, there's no belief. Just like you know, like laws, like the law of gravity. You know if I drop this pin, that it's going to fall and hit the floor. Right? That's not a belief because that, that belief has been turned into what? Proof. 
You got proof to it. So once you take what you believe and then you add some action to it, then you have proof. That's what God is saying. Take what you believe about me. I've already showed you proof of what I can do and who I am. So now you need to know so that you can't be persuaded otherwise. Amen. Recognize. Recognize. Even in the Jewish slang word, that word means it means intercourse. It means intercourse, recognize. So he's even saying right now, do you not recognize this about yourself? Have you not been intimate with God? Have you not have you not laid down with God and got impregnated with the things of God? Again, is it not up on you? Has it not been put in you when you receive Christ? He impregnated you with the Holy Spirit. It's inside of you. So everything that the Holy Spirit is there. See, like he said, that you don't come to church to worship. The worship is already in you. All we doing is stirring that stuff yeah. up. We just mixing it up so that it can get going. We doing like the Coca-Cola bottle. We just shaking it up and then we going to take the top off so that you can spray out over the atmosphere. Amen. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're coming to get equipped so that we can go and equip. Amen. That's what that's what the whole purpose of this thing is. It's to eat so that you can feed. It's to eat so that you can feed. You ain't supposed to eat so that you get so full that you bust. You got to be like a bird. When the mother bird does, she chews the food, she eats it, and then she takes her babies and she feeds them out of her mouth. See, what are you feeding people out of your mouth? There's some babies around you that's needing a word from you, but you're not feeding them the word of God out of your mouth. You're feeding them fear. You're feeding them discord. You're feeding them dissension. You're feeding them depression. You're feeding them a bunch of mess and gossip. What are you feeding the babies around you out of your mouth? Are you not persuaded on what God can do? Recognize Recognize, But see, when we walking along this thing, it's like we're walking a tightrope because we're trying to keep a balance. We're trying to keep a balance. And a lot of times, you know, if you're walking on a thin line, it's hard to keep your balance. Especially if you know you got a blood alcohol level that's higher than point eight. It's hard to keep your balance. Well, what does the cop tell you to do when you get out of the car? If, if some of y'all have been in that situation, just keep your hands down, keep your hands down. What do you tell you to do? You say, get out of the car and walk the straight line, right? And you got to keep your balance and you got to try to walk a straight line. But see, that's what happens in the, in, the, in, the, in the Christian walk a lot of times. We get drunk on things of the world. We get drunk on what we hear. We get drunk on what we see. We get drunk on what's coming out of our mouth. So then when God said, okay, walk that line, get out your car and walk that line, we, we kind of off balance. We kind of all down. We sadder. We don't. We don't get. We need to sober up in the things of the Word of God so that we can be persuaded. Amen. Amen. But what's happening when you walk in and you pretending that, that I am on a tightrope? You've seen people walk tightrope and they have something like usually a long pole that they use and they walk in and it's basically keeping them balanced and it goes from side to side. Well, that's what the walk is in the in, in the Christian walk. Let me let me get on three people up here real quick, just real quick. Won't take long. Come on, you can be the walker. One more person. One more person. Because this is what's going on when we walk. Get on the either side of them. this side right here. So now he's trying to walk. Now hold your hold your arm up. You ain't got to walk for it. It's just them right up. And you hold that on. See now we're walking and we got our arms out. We got our arms out trying to keep balance. Just take a few little steps. But see, we got things that are trying to keep balance on us or trying to pull us. Now, pretend that this is 
the flesh. This is the things you desire. This is the things that are keeping you back. The things that's holding you back. And then this is the spirit. And he's in the middle. So as he's walking, pull. Whichever one has the greatest pull is the way you're going to go. Whichever one has the greatest pull is the way you're going to go. But there's a determining factor. Because if you're in the middle of that, then guess what? You can decide on who has the most power, who has the most force. So which way do you really want to be pulled? Pretend you want to be pulled over here. See, no matter how much she pulls, then it becomes two against one. It becomes your spirit and your mind against your flesh. Amen? So now when you're getting pulled, the flesh got to come. The flesh is only going to do what it's, what, what, it's, what it's told to do. It's just all willy-nilly. If you say line up, thank y'all, y'all can have a seat. You can, if, you, if you tell the flesh to sit down, it sits down. But if you listen to it, it's going to talk very loud. Amen. Turn, turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to show you this in the Word. Galatians chapter 5. And starting at verse 17. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 17. And actually, I'm going to start at uh, verse 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. So he's already telling you how to walk. Walk by the Spirit. Basically, keep your balance by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And here it is in 17. It says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. How many got that right there? Think about what that's saying right there. It's saying that the, the flesh and the spirit are at battle with each other. They're at battle with each other. And in the other translations, it says that, 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 that they're in constant opposition. And the Amplifier says, for these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. So that's saying... Every time you're trying to keep balance, every time you're trying to do what you want to do, what God has required you to do, there's something that is opposing you. There's something that's pulling you in another direction. Even though you want to come back over here, there's something that's pulling you in another direction. You're trying to do this right over here, but it's pulling you back over here. You're trying to stop doing this habit, but that habit keeps pulling you back over here. There's a, there's a part of your flesh that's pulling you each time you try to walk. So it's looking like you're drunk, but when it's all really said and done is, is that you're giving yourself over to your own desire. Amen. And all it takes is your mind. Your mind. That's why it goes back to what we just read. Recognize. Understand. Understand whose you are. Be persuaded in this thing. So that when the flesh comes, when it tries to come up, and we're not talking about flesh, we we just talking about we talking about those fleshly things that, that you desire that, that 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 really are not inside of the will of God. Amen. Go down to go down so we so we really know what we're talking about. It says right here in verse uh, 
19. Now the deeds of flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So that's a big old list of things. That's what the flesh is. Immorality. You got immoral thoughts, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. That's a big one. That's Most of us can get on that list just based off of that one alone. Idolatry. What are you worshiping more than God? Is your job more important? Is your family more important? Is, 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 is your finances more important? What's more important to God? Idolatry. Sorcery, sorcery. People like I ain't no. I'm not a witchcraft. I'm not into all that. But if you wicked, if you doing things outside of the, the word of God, if you twisting the word of God, then you wicked. Wicked is a form of sorcery. So then, guess what? You're on the list. Enmity, strife, strife. Meaning you just you just won't be right. You just rebellious for the hell of it. You just doing it just because just because it make you feel good. Jealousy. Jealousy, that, that, that green-eyed monster, outburst of anger, right there. Disputes, dissensions, and factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, all that is what the work of the flesh is. So God is saying that you got all this stuff that's trying to pull you out of balance with him. It's trying to constantly go at you all the time. It's not a one moment time. It's not why you sitting in church. It's not on, on why you talking on the phone or reading your Bible. It's every single moment of every single day that you have an enemy that you walk around with. And you can't get away from it. But all you can do is defeat it in your mind. In your mind, you gotta decide which one are you gonna feed the most. Whatever you feed is what becomes stronger. If you feed your spirit, then your spirit becomes stronger. If you feed your flesh, then your flesh becomes stronger. Amen. If you if you feed your flesh, it becomes stronger. We gotta decide on what we're gonna feed. Which one are we gonna feed? Are we gonna feed the spirit or are we gonna feed the flesh? Are we going to give the spirit the, the power or are we going to give the flesh the power? Because if we give the flesh the power, it all starts with your thoughts. Thoughts become, first of all, it starts with your imagination, your image. What are you, what are you perceiving in your mind? Then that goes into thoughts. And then thoughts lead to actions. And then actions eventually lead to what? Strongholds. And see, the thing is, you're going to be strongly held by something. But you're either going to be strongly held in the spirit or you're going to be strongly held by your flesh. That's the whole decision to make. It's all about choice because God gave every single person in here a free choice. He's not going to overtake you by the spirit and the flesh is really not going to overtake you unless you choose to allow it to. See, we have all the power. People say, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil set you up. But you did it. The devil can only set you up because you got to decide to go ahead and smoke one more time. You got to decide to go ahead and lay down one more time. You got to decide not to stay in your word one more time. You got to decide that. Can't nobody make you do that but you. Can't nobody make you do nothing but you. You can barely make a two-year-old child do something. So how many can make a grown folks like y'all do something? Amen. You decide. You got to recognize, am I persuaded in this? Let me correct myself. Let me constantly correct myself. And we're going back to the foundation that says, transform by the renewing of your mind. You got to renew your mind. 
You got to renew your mind because it says that we're born into iniquity. We're safe in it. We 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 born to to be sinful. It's in our nature. But then it's a renewing of our mind through the word of God, through the connection with Christ. Once we renew our mind, we keep constantly renewing our mind and making it better. So then we start changing and we realize that yeah, we got a decision to make, but I'm going to make this decision. Meaning, do I, do I have worry or do I pray? Because if it's worth worrying about, then it's more than likely it's worth praying about. Amen. Am I going to have fear or am I going to have faith? Amen. So you got, it's a fence to jump over. But guess what? You can't straddle the fence. Because if you straddle the fence, then you fall down in the middle. You can't straddle the fence. You got to choose. Just like I said last week, a light switch even know that it's got to choose. You can't be halfway off and halfway on. It's going to either flick on or it's going to flick off. But you got to choose because we're at constant battle. Turn to Colossians real quick, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Are we getting this? Because we got to understand that we got to be able to correct ourselves. And that's the thing. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You got to check it. Shouldn't nobody have to check you. If they come in to check you, so to speak, it should only be confirmation of what you are already working on or what you are already doing. No, none of us are perfect, but we walk towards perfection. We walk towards perfection. So we gotta know that, yeah, I, I need to I need to check myself on, on how I go off sometimes. That, that 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 that's not right. You know, that that is breaking down the relationship that I have with this person. We just gotta check ourselves. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to, to mess up. It's okay to fall short. What's not okay is to not do something about it. Is to not do something about it. So you we what happens is is that is that again being being human beings we tend to correct things that that instantly cause us pain if it instantly causes you pain you're going to instantly correct it you're going to try to fix that situation but a lot of things that we do in our spiritual walk doesn't cause us instant pain we plant seeds everywhere we go everywhere we go we plant seeds good or bad but then when those things come to harvest then we're trying to get rid of it but you can't get rid of something instantaneously that took 20 years to develop amen See, a lot of us want to be like the weight loss thing. You know, I just want to take this little pill and it go away. No, you gained them 50 pounds over 10 years. So don't think you're going to take this pill for seven days and them 50 pounds going to go away. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. But see, what happens is if you had to recognize that you was gaining that weight, if you had to recognize that it was getting a little bigger here and the things wasn't fitting right, then you probably would have did something about it. But what happens is we can appease ourselves. We stop looking in the mirror or we buy bigger clothes or we, you know, we, we just, or we squeeze into what we got. So we don't recognize the pain, so therefore we don't change. But see, that's what happens in our Christian walk, we stop looking in the mirror. We stop looking in the mirror, meaning we stop looking in the Word of God so that we can truly see ourselves and what we look like. Amen. We, we put on bigger clothes, meaning that we go and put on some stuff over here that ain't all, that ain't really about God. We don't we put on the worldly stuff and we try to as long as I'm successful over here, then it don't matter about what God really has to do with it. Amen. Or we try to squeeze ourselves into the clothes of God, even though we weighed it down with a whole bunch of mess from the world. 
He said that you got to shake off all that hinders you. He said that some of the translators say you got to strip it off. You got to take this stuff off of you. Everything that's hindering you, everything that's holding you back, you got to identify it and you got to just come up out of that mess. Amen? You got to just come up out of it. We can't keep walking around weighted down with things. Now I said turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Starting in verse 1. And it says, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ to a, I'm reading out of Amplified. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your what? Minds. And keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. For as this world is concerned, you have died, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. He says, set your, set your mind on the things that are above. Recognize the things that are above. Don't set your mind on the things that are temporary. If you got a problem, like she was singing the song, the battle is not yours, it's God. Because part of it is because everything that we deal with here is what? Temporary. Yeah. Temporary. We're only ambassadors passing through. We're on a journey to another side. See, a lot of us don't even think about eternity. This is practice. This is just practice. There's something on the other side of this that, that, that's going to be forever. It's going to be forever. So the purpose of this can't be nothing but practice because it's so temporary. How many know that the practice is always shorter than the game? The practice is always shorter than the game. If you, you, you don't practice for five hours and play a game for 30 minutes. Like right now, the Falcons get ready to warm up and they're going to win today. Thank you, God. But they're not going to warm up for five hours and only play for five minutes. Amen. So we're passing through this thing, and we got to understand that we got to keep our eyes on the prize. We got to maintain that focus and constantly correct ourselves because there's something that's out there in the eternity that's been set up for us. He says, keep your eye, mind set on it. Your mind set on it. If he's telling you to keep your mind set on the things above, then that means that there's got to be something that's even greater than what you have here. But how many know that even if you set your eyes on the above, then that means that that sets your perspective properly here on earth. Because it's not all about getting everything in heaven. Because he says that I came so that you can have life and have it more what? Abundantly. So he wants you to be abundant in your health. He wants you to be abundant in your life. He wants you to be abundant in your finances. But he's saying set your eyes on the right perspective. Set your mind on the right thing. Recognize the right thing so that you can be in proper balance. So that you can be in proper tune. Because if you're looking around you're seeing all the things around you. You're looking at all the noise and the confusion around you, then guess what? You're going to get off focus, you're going to get out of balance, and I'm not going to be able to get the things to you that I'm trying to get to you. If you're busy trying to wipe your board off, I'm not going to be able to get the potato chips to you. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the things of God. Amen. Set your mind to it. Set your mind to it. And don't fight correction because he says what? He says that he, whom he loves, he corrects. Whom he loves, he corrects. So if he's correcting you, if he's setting you in order, if he's kind of 
circumcising your flesh a little bit, making you sacrifice some things, making you give up some things. Don't worry about that. That means that he loves you. That means that he sees something greater in you than you even see in yourself. But he knows that like a banana, he got to pull back all the stuff that can't be edible so that he can get to the things that are edible. So you're trying to feed people bananas without peeling it back. God said, no, peel yourself back a little bit. Then go and feed the person. Ain't nobody bite through that tough, nasty peel that you got on the outside of you. So let me pull you back a little bit. Let me strip you down a little bit. So that I can get to the thing that's on the inside. Yeah. So when I get that thing up and I slice it up into little pieces, I can give some to him. I can give some to her, yeah. and then they can eat it. They can taste it and see how sweet it is. Yes, yes. But you got to yeah. pull yourself back a little bit. See, a true leader will never castrate you, but they will circumcise you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Meaning, my job is to help you pull back the flesh. To help you circumcise yourself, to help you cut back those things, to help you smooth away those rough edges. But my job will never be to castrate you, meaning to stop you from reproducing, to stop you from going out and being what God has called you to be. Amen. We're not looking for pew fillers. We're looking for purpose people. People who are going out to do what they were called to do. People who are going out to go into that marketplace and preach the word of God. To spread the gospel into the thing. Taking what you've been fed so that you can go out and give it to people. It might not be in a pool pit, but guess what? Your pool pit might be your cubicle. And everybody running to you throughout the word day trying to heal from the word of God. They trying to heal what you got to say about the situation. Because they just say, well, if she ain't worried about it, then I know I ain't worried about it. Amen. Amen. People are looking. People are watching. They waiting for it. It says in the word that all the world is waiting for the make of the sons of God to manifest themselves. When are we going to step up? Make those corrections. Make the adjustments that we need to make so that we can do what we were called to do. Amen? Amen. So that we can do what we were called to do. Make the correction. Maintain your focus. Make the correction. Because as we talk about next week, we have a goal. We have a goal, which is to find that will of God. Amen? You see, a lot of us talk about we want to go from faith to faith. And we want to go from glory to glory. But how many know that's, that's going to a level, to level, to level? You can't go from different levels if you unbalanced. You're walking like this. So it's like you you got a limp. You, you, you disabled a little bit. When we see people walk with a limp, we figure what? they disabled. What does disabled mean? It just means that you're not able to do everything that you were supposed to be doing. So stop walking with the limp. Put something under that. If you got a little shaky table, what do we usually do? We'll take, you know, the, the, now a lot of us go out and just buy another table. But when we didn't have no money back in the day, what you do? You get one piece of cardboard, you fold it up, you set it on that, there ain't no, and you set it on that little bit more. That's all God is saying. You're walking like this, so why don't you get a little piece of the word? Hold it up a little bit, stick it under your foot, so that when you are going from faith to faith, yes. you're going on a level ground. You're going from faith to faith to faith. Because how many know, if you're asking from faith to faith, new levels mean new devils. Yes. See, when you get transformed, there's new things that happens in that transformation. See, when a caterpillar is crawling on the ground, he's got one enemy, he got certain enemies that are after him. But how do you know when that caterpillar turns into a butterfly yeah, that his enemies change? Yeah. His enemies change. 
Now you got enemies that can catch you in a flight. You got enemies that even when you're on the ground, they can get you. And your enemies change. So yeah, we go from faith to faith, but know that there's going to be levels of devils as well, which means that you got to get grounded where you are. The Word of God says that one man built, built his house on the sand, and another man built his house on the rock. And that rock is symbolical of what? The Word of God. You see, when the storms come, the sand dissipates, and it just goes away, and everything crumbles and falls apart, even the house included. But the one who built his house on the rock, builds a house on the rock. The one who builds his house on the rock, is withstands all things. And the gold of the three little pigs, the enemy can puff, and he can puff, but he can't blow your house down. Amen. Build your house on the rock. Make those corrections if you know it's already on the sand. Make your corrections. Put that rock in as the foundation. Take that balance beam called the Word of God out to make sure that your walls are balanced. To make sure that you're doing everything at the right angle. Keep your eyes on the fire. Set your mind to the top. Amen. And recognize, understand, know, be persuaded in whose you are and who you are. Amen. 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 Thank God for the word.